0: This episode of That's Total Mom Sense is sponsored by Sambacall. Fall is upon us, and you know what that means. Cooler weather, layers, and of course, the kids heading back to school. Have you checked off all the items on your never ending list? New clothes, notebooks, pencils, brand new backpack. The kids want it all. But have you thought about how to keep them healthy when they're heading back to school? That's where Sambacall comes in. My kids and I recently started taking Sambacall every day to help support our immune systems so we can keep doing what we need to do. Sambacol is made from premium European black elderberries, which are natural sources of powerful antioxidants and key vitamins like A, C, and E. They help support a healthy immune system and help you power through your day. What's so great about Sambacol is that they have tons of different ways to get your daily helping of black elderberry, like syrups, gummies, chewable tablets, drink powders, capsules, and more. They have products made just for kids too. My three kids love the Sambacol Black Elderberry Gummies. They love the flavor and remind me to give it to them when we're rushing out the door during drop-off. Make a healthy immune system part of your back to school strategy this year with Sambacall. My listeners can receive 15% off their next order of $9.99 or more at SambacallUSA.com by using my promo code MomSense15 at checkout. That's 15% off your order of $9.99 or more at Sambacall, spelled S A M B U C O L, USA.com. And remember, use code MOMSENSE15 at checkout. And here's a pro tip. Save the promo code and the website address in your notes app. I know you're busy, too busy to remember this promo code and sort through the episodes to find it. So it's
1: MOMSENSE15 and the website is SambucolUSA.com. And she said, Mom, I really don't need your yoga talk. I just need you to listen. And I was like, but she wasn't looking to me to find an answer or to like make like bring everybody's perspective and she just wanted me to listen and it, it just like was a smack in the face I thought as an adult how many times do we do that to our friends or our family or, or people that we're working with where we try and kind of find the logical thread and and sometimes it's just like zip your lip and just be there because there's a healing in somebody being able to process their feelings and that's it and so now my daughter's almost 20 and she calls her, FaceTimes me every day. 90% of it, I'm listening. She's telling me about her day. She's telling me about what happened, good, bad, all in between. She's feeling anxious. She's feeling this. And I just know what she needs is she looks to me to process this stuff.
0: This episode has been brought to you by Lunya and Lago. Whether you're waking up at night or just calling it a night, Lunia is your daily reminder to find beauty in the everyday. Lunia's mission is to elevate rest ever since it was founded in 2014 by Los Angeles native Ashley Merrill. Known for pioneering washable silk and cashmere, they've expanded into other signature fabrics like organic Pima and cozy cotton silk everything lunia makes is designed to tangibly improve rest with products as functional as they are beautiful sleepwear with patented no twist waistbands strategic ventilation stay put sleeves and state-of-the-art fabrics are just some of the rest-centric innovations that are at the foundation of the brand i love the short robe it's a robe reimagined it's constructed of the most buttery fabric, organic pima, and it feels super soft to the touch and it's cooling too. When I'm just looking for some time to wind down at night or if I don't have to get ready till after my workout, I live in this robe and it's a very flattering silhouette. So if I have to wear it out to a drop off, no one's ever gonna know. Use my special code MomSense20 to receive receive $20 off your first order of $100 or more at lunya.co. hi there it's Kanika get ready for another season of that's total Mom Sense, where I interview global thought leaders on their life stories the legacy they're passing on to their kids and of course their mom sense and dad sense superpower it's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story.
1: Hey, I'm Daphne Oz. Hi, I'm Shawnee Darden. Hi, this is
0: Chris Lynn. Hi, I'm Bob Michelle Hi, this is Tony LeRoy. Hi, I'm Shannon Lee. Hi, I'm Farnish Tarabi. Hi, this is Michael Perry, founder of Maple. And you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. It's our mission to be inclusive. So we're having dads pull up a seat at the table. Tune in to my new monthly segment, What Matters Most with Maple, featuring my co-host, Michael Perry, tech founder and devoted father of two. Thank you to my brand partners, community, and you, yes, you, for making this podcast possible. Episodes release every Thursday. Join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com and subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. So what if I told you that if you learned certain principles of physical therapy, you could apply that to your yoga practice? Today, I'm joined by a woman, an expert who has done exactly that. And she started a movement with students and teachers who are trained, who are all for it. Lara Hyman is an international yoga pioneer and physical therapist focused on evolving the practice of yoga to empower movement and balance amidst a modern lifestyle of technology and obviously some sedentariness. She is redefining the modern practice of yoga through her comprehensive lit method, emphasizing smart alignment, functional movement, and spiritual wellness. Lara has taught her methodology to thousands of students in more than 50 countries and has led workshops worldwide to speak about and explore consciousness, anatomy, and purposeful movement. She's a regular contributor to women's fitness and has been featured in NBC News, The Today Show, Inside Edition, Yahoo, Shape, Pop Sugar, Elite Daily, Well and Good, and many more outlets. She has also partnered with the New York City Department of Transportation to lead a citywide yoga class to nearly 400 participants during its Summer Streets initiative. Through its holistic connection between body and mind, Lara's methodology is a clear and influential roadmap to ignite the spirit to operate at its highest potential. Lara, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much
1: for having me. What a pleasure. And thank you for that intro.
0: Yes, yes. I want to start by saying namaste is, you know, a greeting where the divinity in me is greeting the divinity in you. And we all have this light. So it's really important that we acknowledge it.
1: Yes, I love that. Just gave me the chills. <laughs> That's beautiful. great.
0: So you say movement changes everything. And when we move better, we feel better. When you were growing up, how did you incorporate movement into your daily life? Because we can kind of glean what we want our kids to do. And what led you in particular to pursue physical therapy?
1: Well, like you, you have three kids, a tw- twins and a younger I'm a triplet. And so I had, I don't know if you knew amazing. that. I didn't. That's yeah. so cool. Oh my God. It's so cool. it's so Big cool. props to your mama. I know she's <laughs> that. I just went on a trip with her. She's still kicking it. And so amazing. So, and I had an older brother. So it was the opposite older brother. So I mm-hmm. was, I had three brothers, two part of my little cub and then two and a half years older. So I was just automatically brought into a lot of movement, just interacting with my brothers. And it was, it was just natural every day was active and you know we did sports we ran together we played all kinds of neighborhood games with other you know kids in the area so and then in addition to that i did kind of more activities after school all forms of dance i loved so it was just just part of my growing up and part of my experience and i don't think i really realized how much it influenced how i felt until I was injured. I was injured my um, junior year in ballet. I came down from toe and and, and almost broke my ankle. And I was in a cast for, I know, I was in cast for like six weeks. And I remember feeling what I didn't realize at the time was like stagnancy in my spirit. It was like, I felt really inert and really not empowered. And I remember after like a week or two, I'm like, I need to do, I need to, like, I had this energy, I needed to move it and I needed it to uplift me. And I just hopped on what we had like, you know, basic stationary bike. I was on there with my cast and it was just this desire to to move my joints, to get my heart rate up, to feel alive. And I think that's what movement does is every system in our body requires movement to work well and not only just to work well for life, but to feel our best, to feel like we can really show up awake. And I think as kids, as certainly when I was growing up, that was not, you know, that we just did it. Um, As adults, it is a second, third, fourth afterthought. Like we have so Mm. many other things in our adulting life. And what I'm really trying to do is just shift the paradigm again and be like, This is the most important thing and everything, just like you've scheduled anything else in your life, you should schedule time for yourself where you're moving in whatever form that really brings you joy. I knew at a young age, and my dad was a doctor, I was exposed to the medical field and wellness in college, I started teaching aerobics. So I knew that wellness was just probably the track I was going to go. And it really was a calling to me, you know, and avocation is means calling So I don't even think I planned out like some people go to school, even my daughter's in college now. And I'm like, you don't need to figure it out. I want you to kind of take in information and let it start to be something that is processed in internally in your spirit versus Mm. academic mind of like, well, this would be a great career. I don't at all shame people for doing that. Some people just know my dad knew at 12, he wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon, but many, many more people do not know. And then they just kind of take a path that has been conditioned that this is the way you should go. And it doesn't necessarily, it isn't that calling. So for me, I was lucky. I felt that calling and then I just followed it. And I knew I had originally planned to be a doctor. I also wanted to be a surgeon. And then at the same time, I'm like, dude, I saw my dad working 12 hours a day. Do I want to do that? (laughs) Right? I don't think so. So I did what was kind of the next best thing, but, but as wonderful, which was being a physical therapist, because much better lifestyle, much better quality of life in terms of what I wanted, which was balance. And a lot of that same type of empowered state, like I didn't have to get a you know referral from anybody. I could be making the decisions on my own. So there was a lot of autonomy, which you don't necessarily have in other medical. Um, so that just carved the path. And then I found yoga, loved it, had the same kind of joy for it that I did for dance and other forms of movement. And no one was really teaching it. This was 27 years ago. I'm really aging myself. And so I just started teaching it based on the books that I read and what I learned about. And I loved the intention behind it which i think has been timeless which is always just i think ultimately to be more awake in life because when you're more awake you're more appreciative you're more aware you can make choices even if things are hard you're you're making empowered choices as opposed to just taking a path of least resistance which we often choose to do because it feels easy at the time but might not be in alignment and so i've been lucky that that is always those are all the elements that created this alchemy of what i've created now
0: so I want to kind of dive deeper into your kind of research and immersion in yoga. You know, how have you done your research into what is truly authentic in yoga?
1: That's a that's an amazing question. I think it's ongoing because I think it's uh, you know imperative to when you're practicing uh, any form of you know, anything that has been a, a practice that has also integrates spirituality um, we need mm-hmm. to honor the roots of it and understand where you know what the roots were and how at that time it made sense and you know just like if you were looking at the Bible there are things about it or any any sacred text there are things that make sense and that have that are timeless and there are things that made more sense at that time based on you know the way social um, structure was or you know what was important so I think it it is I find it interesting more than anything. I, you know, like when we just what I mentioned a minute ago about like not taking necessarily the path that is of least resistance. I mean, that is, you know, that is, in that's what the Bhagavad Gita is all about. Is you know, yeah. like this conflict that even if it's a cousin or a relative, right, right, you have to make choices if if it's really not in alignment. And so, yeah. you know, when you read it and parse it down to that, it's like bringing up all of the human emotions and ties and how we've been, I don't wanna say programmed and and saying like, look within, but also look at what is going to be serving the whole most. And so that's what I always try and look at is like, that is a beautiful idea. And that that, that life is challenging and it isn't gonna be cookie cutter, but if you can be true to yourself and never betray, who you are, who you want to be at your essence, that is the practice. And that is going to be challenged over and over again. And that's why like tuning in, using the body as an instrument, using the breath, using the stories, all of these are different tools to remind us, like be true to you, be true to that person at your highest level, because it's going to be challenged. To me, I had always been vegetarian or not always. I'd been vegetarian since I was 16, I grew wow. up in the south. We were not, you know, we ate a lot of different, a lot of different meat and it never resonated in that true self, that little, little person within me. I always was like, I love my animals who are here next to me. Why am I eating this dead, you know, bird with right? My, like the wing is there. It was like, it did not jive, but you know, culture comes in tradition. And I just overrode that. And then at some point, I realized like that doesn't sit well. And fortunately my triplet brothers and I all became vegetarian together. But wow. then Yoga and more exploration. I was more open-minded to actually say like, well, what more can I be doing? I can't sit on the laurels of that. Like what are the purchases that I'm making? Not just animal products, you know, but be- then I became vegan because, you know, vegetarian, it makes you feel good because you're not eating an animal, but there's a me- lot of systematic, you know, torture that goes into animals that aren't necessarily immediately killed, but their babies are taken away or, or whatnot. So what yoga to me has been is, and all of the traditions of it have been a mirror. What am I doing? Knowing it's not going to be perfect, but showing up the best I can and, and examining in every way, the choices I make, how they're impacting myself and others
0: would you light my candle i just love the musical rent and you know what else i love winding down by lighting my brooklyn candle after a long day as i curl up with an inspiring book or journal in my notepad my favorite scents are santorini escapist which reminds me of my honeymoon to greece and midnight mojito my favorite cocktail Brooklyn Candle Studio was founded by Tamara Main in 2013. The candles are handmade in Brooklyn and check a lot of boxes, 100% soy wax, plant-based, and sustainable and free of toxins like phthalates, parabens, sulfates, petroleum, and dyes. All the vessels can be reused and repurposed and the company limits the use of plastic with none during shipping. It's a luxury home fragrance at an accessible price point with the majority of the products ranging from just $18 to $40. Use my code MOMSENSE20 to receive 20% off your first purchase. So after the entire family's asleep, Go ahead and light a candle to transport yourself to Maui or Kyoto and indulge in other products like room mists, diffusers, and bath bars. Good night. See, what I, what I think is, again, very authentic to you is your knowledge and created this discipline that incorporates the principles of so many different things. And Given that it's so rooted in physical therapy, you're really touching on specific pain points, and you're helping your clients and students and teachers training under you move through that pain to get to the other side. And I love that you have three components to what lit yoga is. You combine the physiology, kinesiology, and neurology.
1: So tell us how all of that ties together. It's looking at the entire body and everything inside, right? It's like mm. looking at the whole system as, as opposed to come compartmentalizing. So neurology is, you know, your brain, your nervous system, it is literally without which we would not be able to live and function. And when it is not balanced, it, it has the biggest probably impact of anything on the entire system. So the beautiful thing about the brain is that it is always fresh and ready for new information. It is ready to what I say, get some better mapping, rewiring And this is in the form of movement, it's in the form of behavior, it's in the form of breathing, it starts in here. And there's many ways to get into there. So the moving in the body and kind of re-examining how we move maybe in suboptimal ways. So that's kinesiology. So kinesiology is how we move, it's how the joints move, how the, the musculoskeletal system participates. And so, when we look at like somebody folding forward, that is the art of kinesiology. Examining like, well, how are they doing that, and is this going to serve them not only today but long term, more likely? Because there are, it just like you're looking at something in physics or any kind of mechanics. There are ways to do things that aren't going to wear down areas, but keep the you know keep the machine going. And then physiology is deep within what's within that. So physiology is the breathing, it's the you know the heart rate, it's the cellular level. So all of those parts, micro macro come into movement, come into life, come into our how we feel, like how we're feeling right now. I want to be feeling like I have a lot of energy to give to this conversation and then be able to go in and have energy to give to my family and then give it to myself and that is all of those things it's how i'm moving how i'm breathing how i'm paying attention and awake and through our body it is the easiest track to have the impact on everything so if i pay attention to the place in my hand and the alignment of my shoulder over my wrist and how the scapula engages into this into the rib cage that is creating a current of energy from the ground through through my body into my central body, which is going to give me more stability. But it's also perhaps setting up a different wiring track, especially mm. for people who haven't been using putting weight through their arms. Right. So typically, when people, what I, the reason I really merged these two things is what I found is when people would come into yoga and the instructors are calling out the poses or telling you how to breathe, there was a lot of missing parts because people were coming in, in the shape they were in, in the suboptimal posture. And then they would move in the path of least resistance, right? Because that's what your brain had become accustomed to. And our brain, just like everything else, is going to take that track that is the strongest, quickest wiring. And the one that's the strongest and quickest is the one we do habitually. Yes. And what I realized is I could actually help people Become more educated about how to move, how to breathe by actually teaching them more about their body and taking this as an opportunity. So, I think the biggest difference in the way I teach is I am educating. I want you to feel amazing for many hours after the practice and take that into your life versus just that hour or hour and a half feel great and then get up and leave and do your next thing and kind of leave any of the networking behind.
0: Yes. Oh, that makes so much sense. Um, And then you have phases. Can you highlight reset, renew, redefine, and what
1: what they yes. kind of symbolize? So the reset um, that is the that is based on um, you've had kids, right, and watching them go through their developmental phases is really fascinating, right? They're on their back, they're totally helpless. And then all of a sudden they flip over and we're like, yay! Yeah. <laughs> and then they get up on all fours and they're de- so all of that is called developmental phases. So then they get into a half kneel and then they get up to, you know, being bipedal there. Um, and those are, that's how we, we grow our brain movement, mm. our brain, those, and that's a very hardwired patterning. And those. So when we have developed less optimal movement, we can go back to the developmental stages. That's on the ground. That's working a lot of what's called ground reaction force, which is the natural occurring energy that balances gravitational forces that comes through the body because we are bodies of energy. So, the reset is we reestablish a neutral pelvis and neutral spine. We get the core integrated. We get the shoulders integrated. And then we get ready to start, which is our sun cell one. And that is the, the last kind of part of the reset. And that's getting into the half meal, which is also known as Anjaneyasana. but I've really pulled it in more because Anjaneyasana usually is a great opportunity to kind of spill your guts and <laughs> all that stuff. Yes. So, I've kind of tightened that into more like the, the children's half meal. And then the the next part um we have this we have a sequence that really starts to mobilize. So we need to mobilize these large synovial joints because they crave that. And and when we are in our very modern day sedentary lifestyle, we lose joint range of motion. We experience it in the form of tissue tightness. But what we have to first go is into the mechanics. The joints mm-hmm. have to move to pull the tissue and then the tissue becomes more flexible. We get m- more mobile, more heated, and then we finally get kind of this redefining, like we're it's putting we that's a stream. So the stream is where we take all the sequences and we stream to them together. And this is like almost like my dance background because if you've ever done dance, you do yeah. something and you repeat it and you repeat it and repeat it, repeat it. Yes, yeah. And so it's it muscle matter. memory, right? And it doesn't matter if you're like a 15 year ballet student or like a New York ballet performer. You always warm up the same way because you are you're encoding that. So the stream is giving you the opportunity to better lay down those though that brain mapping. So we repeat the sequences, add some possible, you know, kind of sparkly add-ons if we want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that repetition. And a lot of it again comes from my experience, like what I felt was missing. I was always like just kind of warming up and something I'm like, God, I'd like to do that again. So I just really became, I let my mat become like a laboratory for how I could better experience movement and then, and offer that to others. Because knowing that, again, we're dealing with, we aren't as active as our kids. We are a lot more. We are staying in one position. We don't have the movement variability and the movement variability of the human body is ultimately what brings us incredible joy because we get to experience life, you know, at its fullest. Yeah, absolutely. 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 So what would you say for a beginner? What would a simple daily yoga practice look like? Start on the ground and come into a low bridge. So a low bridge, this is what our kids did to help us get a diaper on. It is (laughs) what it is, creating hip extension, postural um, awakening, and it is getting the glutes active. And the glutes are the powerhouses of movement. And for so many people, it doesn't matter. I've worked with professional athletes whose glutes for what they were doing and the requirements were way too weak. And a lot of that comes from the position of our posture, tilting the pelvis kind of dials down gluteal activity and the, the wiring from the brain. So we'd start with that. Right. We work that. That feels amazing for most people. All of a sudden they're getting length in their spine. They're getting their hips a little bit more active. And then yeah, during- especially if you have like a posterior anterior tilt, it's, yes. I guess, um, realigning it's cool. that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So neutral pelvis, neutral spine. Mm. Not, I always say it's not vanilla. It's not like neutral, like Switzerland used to be. It's like yeah. neutral as in where the bones meet each other, which is called a joint, have maximum congruency. So just ah. kids building blocks, <clears throat> you're going to be able to build it really high if it's balanced. But when joints are not having maximum congruency, that's not neutral. And so there's a loss of energy. There's a loss of balance and that loss creates load slash strain on the body. So when you're, when I, it's like, I say, I want to give people a fighting chance to feel good. Start in neutral. Like if you can get your head back in neutral, your, which is on top of the cervical spine, the pelvis neutral, your movement choices are infinite. So you can work more in that, Um, the beginner could start in bridge and then they could go into quadruped and mobilize the spine a little bit to get some idea of like where it feels a little sticky and then work on some what in PT, we call them bird dogs, you know, one arm forward, one leg back. Mm Because what you're doing is firing up the core. Anytime you have weight bearing through the hands, you're gonna get more, much more bang for your buck because you're getting a ton of core activity. Right. Core is not just a six pack at all. It's everything that surrounds the pelvis, the spine, and the scapula and shoulder girdle to help stabilize it. And then doing some side lunges where your feet are parallel and you just move side to side, but you're going back into your hips, not forward into your knees with a nice long spine. That's a great place to start. And then maybe like a twisted crescent or a low lunge with a twist. So you can get some of the rotation that's needed five, 10 minutes, start there and be really cognizant of how you're doing it. Really the how is what will bring you endurance and strength and mobility and joy again. Um, So if you get like into something and it's like too much overloading the system, that's when people just don't stick with it, but start start small. And I, I have that on the platform. I have, you know, we have beginner classes, we have foundational classes, we have everything on there.
0: So you've trained Olympians. What does a typical class look like for that?
1: Really? It's I I treat everyone the same in terms of I just look for the imbalances. So everyone has them to some degree. We all you know, just our modern day lifestyle, again, leads to that. So for any athlete that I look at, I look at what is their sport requiring and um, what is involved. So, you know, for rowers, for instance, it's I, I know the mechanics of that. And then I just surmise what is probably overused and what is probably not as balanced. So f- for them, I would look a lot at balancing because it's one-sided. There's a lot of torque on the opposite rib cage. It's very common for them to have fractured ribs. It's so much force production. So they actually need even more proximal muscles, meaning the muscles that are closest to the ribs, closest to the spine and pelvis they did even stronger because they're producing so much force and and a lot of them have adapted to the demands and gotten really strong in some muscles but those underlying muscles that are smaller but super important tend to always need some fine tuning so we do a lot of big kind of myofascial movements some core strengthening they, they don't need much because you know with those types of athletes, they're, they're working out, they're performing so many hours a day. So I'm just kind of coming, coming in and unwinding some of the um, restrictions. If it's an athlete that is not at that level, I look at like, how can I better, how can I help them perform more optimally? And so goes back to balancing the imbalances working on power, which, you know, there's movement is based on strength. It's based on um, flexibility or uh, depth, like a uh, joint range of motion. And then it's based on what's called adaptability and adaptability is like being able to do what you want when you want so that, that it composes endurance that is composed of power, like how quickly you can summon motor units, which are like kind of our army and our neur- the neurons to fire quickly. So if I want to get up and do some plyometrics or something that requires power. So not just strength. It's that. So I kind of look at like, what are the demands? And, and then if somebody came in who wasn't an athlete per se, but said, this is what I'm feeling. This is how I want to be in my life. And I just, again, I'm kind of the person that helps to facilitate more balance.
0: That's wonderful. Let's get into your motherhood journey. I feel like, you know, as a yoga instructor and physical therapy expert and fitness trainer, you're always a student. You're constantly learning and parenting is no different. So tell us about, you know, something that you've learned through your motherhood journey that, you know,
1: has allowed you to grow. My kids have taught me so much. They've probably taught me more than I've even taught them. The thing they've taught me the most uh, in just about being a human is how important it is to listen and to really give that opportunity for an individual to have feelings, to express the feelings and not try and fix them or make them better. But actually, there's a lot of power in healing and healing in just being a support system. My, I remember one time I was talking to my daughter. She was probably in seventh, maybe seventh grade. And she was telling me about somebody who was being being kind of snarky. And I knew some of the backstory, this this particular child's parents were getting divorced. And, you know, so I tried to come in and and give the like, oh, you know, I'm really sorry that happened. Also, think of like what she's going through. A lot of times when people are hurt, they will hurt. And she said, Mom, I really don't need your yoga talk. I just need you to listen. And I was like, oh. Because she knew that, like she's smart enough at that time. She knew like she didn't deserve to be treated like this. This person might have her own hurt feelings, but she wasn't looking to me to find an answer or to like make, like bring everybody's perspective. And she just wanted me to listen. And it, it just like was a smack in the face. I thought as an adult, how many times do we do that to our friends or our family or, or people that we're working with where we... Try and kind of find the logical thread, and and sometimes it's just like zip your lip and just be there, because there's a healing in somebody being able to process their feelings, and that's it. You don't have to come in and make a logical justification, or it just like smacked me in a, in it like a in a, my spirit. Like I'm like listen more. That's what she wants you. And so now my daughter's almost twenty, and she calls her Facetimes me every day. of it, I'm listening. She's telling me about her day. She's telling me about what happened. Good, bad, all in between. She's feeling anxious. She's feeling this. And I just know what she needs is she looks to me to process this stuff because she's, and this is what I've taught my husband too. I was like, you know, if the kids are acting a certain way after they've come home from school, don't look at that as something that is disrespectful or this. They're unloading and dumping. They're going to learn through all the things we model that you can't do that to everyone, but isn't it beautiful to have someone that you can just be so real with and let that out. And that might mean another instance with my daughter, she came home and she was being kind of snarky to me. I just said, you know, I don't like the way you're talking to me. I'm going to go in the other room. Hmm. And about 20 minutes later, she came in and she said, mommy, I'm so sorry for the way I treated you. I'm going to cry. She's like, I feel like I was taking revenge on the way people were treating me. Uh And I just said to her, and now, you know, it doesn't feel good either way, right? It doesn't feel good when you're receiving it, but it also doesn't feel good when you're giving it. And that actually happened to be prior to that other discussion. So we learn a lot by observing them and realizing that they are more raw and real. And we can learn so much from that because we have socialized and conditioned ourselves sometimes to not feel stuff to disregard somebody else and it just brings a lot more humanity in if we can just really listen more than than make a comment and they've just taught me that i see that with my son when we're in the car you know driving him to basketball it's like i don't ask too many like how was your day what was this did i I just kind of just let it be silent and then i might say something about and what's really cute is my son always asks me My, my my daughter does too they always ask me, well, how was your day, mom? We modeled something and then it, it's reflected. So I'd say to moms, you don't know. And it's like a, I always say, it's like a big laboratory experiment. We are doing the best we can. We're going to mess up. And it's really good to acknowledge when we mess up, when we're not the kindest or nicest or most patient because kids are very forgiving. You just say, gosh, I'm really sorry. I yelled at you or I did this or I wasn't paying attention you know, I was struggling myself, but that was, you know, I'm really sorry for, and then they recognize like that apologizing for your actions or taking ownership is also a very important human process. I mean, it's like, people don't know how to apologize. Right. And it's, yeah. it's a genuine apology to me. It almost erases anything. Like to me, if you can just say, wow, I, I have no, you know, no justification, but I really was acting like such a turd and I'm sorry. And it's just right. like, you say that, I'm like, you're forgiven. But people have a hard, like, say that line. It's so, so important. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I completely agree. And I think they appreciate the honesty
0: and the fact that even at a young age, grown ups make mistakes. And so if we admit and say, I feel you, I do the exact same thing, they just kind of have this greater knowing that like we all go through this at every phase of life. Exactly. Um, but that's beautiful. Let's
1: not forget our quote of the day. Is there a quote that you live by? Above all, be kind. <laughs> because I feel like, you know, if we if we infuse that in every action as much as possible, knowing we're not going to be perfect. But if yeah. we really go from that place, whether it's professional life or personal life, I think it's just we're we're stronger because kindness, actually, this is contrary to what people don't understand. I talk about this a lot in yoga, like kindness actually takes a lot of strength. You yeah. to be able to really solidly feel so confident in your core values and who you are to exude kindness that takes, that actually takes strength. And we see that people that there's a lot of unkind things, and that's just reflexive where it's not, I think people are, they're kind of flimsy in their soul and their spirit, and it's so easy to just be unkind. So I think if we bring kindness in, in into our actions and our thoughts and our intentions, it's it's very powerful. Yes, absolutely. And where can my listeners find you? Well, the best place to find me on my website is just lityoga.com, L-Y-T-Yoga.com. There's all the information there. There's an about me, there's about lit, you know, how to link to classes. There's my podcast. There's my teacher. I have a big, robust teacher directory that we spend a lot of time developing so that we could showcase everyone and they could put their own information in there and have their own little kind of um, pocket of space in there. And then on Instagram, you can find me at um, lara.hyman. Yeah. And always direct message me. I love, I love hearing from people. So if you liked this podcast, I would love to hear about it.
0: That's great. Thank you, Laura, for sharing your story and insights with us. This was such a fun chat. It really was. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to my episode with Laura Hyman. I'm sure you gleaned some very new perspectives when it comes to yoga and movement and living. Laura, thanks so much for your insights. I learned a ton. If you happen to be in the New Jersey area, you can take a live class with Lara and you can learn more on her website, lytyoga.com. And of course, she has private sessions, which she can do virtually, teacher training if you're interested, as well as a subscription model. So you can practice anywhere, anytime at home. A big shout out to Heather Jenkins for coordinating this interview. We love you, Heather. If you have guests or show topics to recommend to me, please email me at thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram, where I'm most active, at kanika chadda gupta. And I know you've already done this, but subscribe, rate, and review in case you haven't. It really helps the show. Remember, always trust your mom sense and dad sense. Stay strong, super parents. I'll see you next time. That's total mom sense.